Hey folks, Andy Patton here. The Zags secured a huge victory behind 20 points from Chet Holmgren and 45% shooting from beyond the arc against Northern Arizona on Monday night. More on that game and more on Mark Few's new gig as an assistant coach for Team USA. All right here, Locked On Zags. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Lockdown Zags Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, ready to take you through another season of WCC Gonzaga Hoops as we are so close to getting into conference play. Today's episode is brought to you by Sonos. Sonos is the official sponsor of ESPN College Football. Go to Sonos.com to learn more. I also want to thank all of you who make this podcast your first listen of the day, as well of those as well as those of you who check out the show on YouTube. If you have not done that already, go to YouTube.com, search Locked On Zags, hit that subscribe button. Trying to get up over 300 followers. I know there's plenty of you out there who listen to the show either on YouTube or on the podcast. Either way, go hit that subscribe button. Would really appreciate it. The Zags had another tune-up game against Northern Arizona. We saw them struggle in a tune-up game earlier this year against Tarleton State, so I know there was maybe some some concern about how they would respond. Obviously, they had a fantastic game against Texas Tech on Saturday. This was a, you know, two days afterwards, there's always a little bit of a hangover after an intense game. That's what we saw against Tarleton State after they played Duke. It's Christmas break. The guys are getting ready to go home. There were no students uh, in the student section, which can sometimes create kind of a, a more of a lull atmosphere. But instead, Gonzaga came out rocking. They got off to an excellent start shooting the rock, ended up shooting 45% from three. A truly phenomenal performance from this team. Never left even a shred of doubt in the outcome. Ended up winning 95-49 to 49 against Northern Arizona, a really vintage performance from Mark Few's squad. Here in the first segment, I want to focus a little bit on the bigs, in particular Chet Holmgren and Anton Watson, who had really incredible games. Second segment, we're going to look a little bit more at some of the youth on this roster, particularly young guys who are coming back next year and kind of what games like this mean for them. But we have to start, we have to start by talking about Chet Holmgren. Chet Holmgren, this, we've been kind of waiting for his full breakout game, and I think for it to really be a complete breakout game, it probably needs to happen against a a more notable opponent. If he puts up 20 points and 10 rebounds against St. Mary's or BYU or San Francisco, or certainly if he puts up that kind of stat line in the NCAA tournament, that will be more of a significant coming out party for him. But this was a phenomenal performance from Chet. I think, you know, 20 points, nine rebounds, six for nine from the field, three for five on threes. He did a ton of his damage offensively early in the game. And what I loved most about this performance from Chet was how aggressive he was at looking for his shots, looking for opportunities to put the ball on the deck, get to the basket, score around the rim, get fouled, get to the free throw line. He was more aggressive in trying to find his own offense than we've seen him be pretty much all season long. And this has been a criticism either of Chet directly or in some cases a criticism of Gonzaga's offense that they weren't incorporating Chet in significant ways and that he's kind of felt like just another piece on the floor as opposed to somebody who's actually being utilized. 
and some people were concerned about his fit, which I could understand why that was kind of coming up. And, and my, my general response to that was that he's more of a defensive prospect than he is an offensive prospect. And we kind of let the offense come to him, worry more about what he does on the defensive end. And I still stand by that. He will always be more impactful on defense than he is on offense. Even in a game where he had 20 points in this game, he still had a huge impact on this game defensively. He was blocking shots. He was altering shots. I was pointing out a play that that happens every single game with Chet, but somebody on uh, Northern Arizona's team, they drove to the basket. They basically stopped as soon as they possibly could, pivoted, turned and started driving away from the rim and ended up kicking it out to a shooter who missed an outside shot. The only reason that that player stopped going towards the basket was because of Chet Holmgren's presence. Because on the first play of the game, Chet blocked a, a, a lay-in attempt by uh, Cole. Is that was that his name? Uh, one of the best players on Northern Arizona's roster, uh, Cone. Excuse me, Jalen Cone uh, blocked his shot clean out of bounds uh, right on the first play of the game. He just has such a tremendous impact defensively. But he looked great in this game on the offensive end of the floor as well. Absolutely fantastic. He opens the game, he hits that transition three, and then he hits a three in the half court set. And that to me is significant. We have seen Chet as the trailing big man hit transition threes effortlessly. I've made the mention on Twitter multiple times that he is going to be an elite transition three-point shooter in the NBA. I think this is going to be something he's borderline known for in the NBA is knocking down those transition threes. But he hasn't been a good three-point shooter in the half-court offense. Part of that is that he's just not taking a lot of shots in the half-court offense, particularly from outside. If Gonzaga's in their half-court offense and Chet is playing away from the basket, he is almost always looking to make an entry pass to Drew Timmy or Anton Watson on the block. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Gonzaga's been running this high-low offense for decades with success majority of the time. So why would you not continue to do that? And I can understand why Chet's not taking, why he's not hacking up a bunch of threes in a half-court set. But seeing him take those shots today and seeing him knock them down is crucial. It's another element to Gonzaga offensively that makes them so much more difficult to defend. I have maintained on this show that I don't think Gonzaga is a good three-point shooting team. Two games in a row, they have made me look foolish by being a good three-point shooting team. I would be happy to be wrong about this topic. I still think we're going to see them have games, weeks potentially, where they really struggle to shoot it from beyond the arc. But Chet Holmgren in particular is a huge hinge for that part of the conversation because he can be a good three-point shooter. And if he's a good three-point shooter in half-court sets, that changes the dynamic significantly in terms of how defenses have to approach Gonzaga. Right now, they bottle up Drew Timmy as much as they possibly can. They force Gonzaga shooters to score from the outside. Chet hasn't been a huge part of that conversation. Like I said, he's hitting the threes in transition, but he hasn't been a huge half-court outside shooter. If that becomes more part of his game, defenses have to step out on him more. It makes it harder to bottle up Drew Timmy. He's going to see more one-on-one coverage or some of those delayed double teams, which he's proven that he's very capable of just scoring through them quite easily. So it opens up more of his offensive game. It allows Chet Holmgren to make that entry pass a little bit easier. It allows him to hit those outside shots, certainly if defenses are forced to give them to him. So I think it really creates a new element to Gonzaga's offense that could make them even more lethal and they're already a great offensive team. I would I could spend the whole segment talking about Chet Holmgren, but that would be a disservice to Anton Watson, who... For the third or fourth time this year, I'm wondering if we saw his best game ever. Hopefully we continue to have that conversation throughout the season because he continues to have outstanding performances. 
This game coming off the bench, of course, 17 points, three rebounds, two steals, and an assist. Similar to Chet Holmgren, Anton was hyper, hyper aggressive. I can tell there was some kind of messaging from the staff, whether it was this game specifically or just messaging in general, like go get your looks, go attack the basket, do post moves. Like don't be afraid. If you get the ball in the paint, don't be, don't look immediately to kick it out. Try to score the basketball, try to spin on your guy, try to make a move, try to get to the rim, try to draw contact, get to the free throw line. And Watson was incredible at that today. Six for seven from the field, five for eight from the free throw line. He was great at drawing contact. He was great at straight up dunking through contact, which he did off of a missed free throw. Really incredible performance from Anton Watson. We already know, similar to Chet, we know how great he is defensively. And he's never put a, a shadow of a doubt about his elite abilities defensively. He can guard. He's a, he's good under the basket. He's a good rim protector. He's good uh, on ball post defensive player. But he's elite around the perimeter. He's a, he's lethal in that half court or three quarter court traps that they run. He's got active hands. He knocks away passes extremely regularly. Lots of steals. Gets some blocks. Just an elite defensive player, but to add in this aggression offensively, not just the ability to score in the paint, but get tip-ins, putbacks, to move defensive players around to be able to make passes out of that. These are stuff that we had not seen in Anton's game pretty much at all until this season. He showed very, very little promise offensively as like a back-to-the-basket low-post score. He really didn't do that very much in his first two years. Part of that was just usage. Gonzaga had other bigs that they were utilizing in those roles. Part of that was, of course, the significant shoulder injury that he had that he was dealing with for his entire freshman year. And it sounds like a significant chunk of last year as well. Now he's healthy. He's got more of an opportunity to actually be a low post score, and he's taking advantage of it in a significant way. If Anton Watson can be this aggressive offensively and this efficient, he's certainly not going to shoot six for seven every game. But if he shoots well, from the field and continues to look for his shots. He puts more undue pressure on the defense. They don't get a break. They don't get a break. Drew Timmy is a load. He's an, we didn't even talk about him. 14 points, four boards and a block hit a three on the first possession of the game, went five for five from the free throw line. This was a great game from Drew Timmy. And he's the third person talked about just among Gonzaga's bigs. That's how ridiculous of a game. All three of these guys had. And if you're a, the opposing defense, and you got to handle Drew Timmy. Now you got to handle a more confident Chet Holmgren who can also stretch the defense in ways that neither Drew or Anton have proven. They've both shown that they can shoot it a little bit, but not at the level that Chet can. But you got to deal with Chet. you got to deal with the best low post scorer on the planet, or at least in the country, uh, in Drew Timmy. And then you have Anton Watson who can do a little bit of everything, who's also a great back-to-the-basket scorer, who's a gifted passer. I believe he's still second on this team in assists. And now who's can stretch it out a little bit more and who's hunting for his shot. Before he wasn't looking for his shot. Made him a lot easier to defend. Now he's looking for his shot. He's looking to score. He's proven that he's capable of doing it. I don't know how you guard these three guys. I really don't. Teams are going to continue to try different things and try as best they can with their size and physicality to prevent these guys from getting the basketball and prevent them from scoring. But the way the the talent that all three of these players have and the way that they are being utilized right now by Coach Few and his staff, they're very, very, very close to unguardable. <laughs> it is really difficult to figure out ways to stop these guys. All right, still talking Gonzaga's win over Northern Arizona. Coming up in the second segment, we're going to pivot away from the big men. We're going to talk about the youth 
on this roster, specifically the young freshman guards, Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman. We're going to talk a little bit about the young bigs, who we saw a few minutes from them as well, and Ben Gregg and Caden Perry. Why the future of this program is so bright, even if they're potentially going to lose their entire starting lineup or most of it to the NBA or graduation next season. Before we get to there, though, let's talk about today's sponsor, NetSuite. This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system out there to power your company's growth. With visibility and control of your finances, inventory, HR needs, planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow as a company all in one convenient location. NetSuite lets you automate your processes and close your books in no time while keeping you ahead of your competition. In fact, 93% of businesses surveyed increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite, and right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash lockedonncaa. Head to netsuite.com slash lockedonncaa for special end-of-the-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. That's netsuite.com slash lockedonncaa. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags, still talking Gonzaga's big, big win over Northern Arizona, the Lumberjacks, the final game before Christmas break for the Zags. They get about a week off before they take on North Alabama early next week, and then, of course, they'll get into conference play after that. I wanted to pivot away from talking about the bigs, talking about... Chad Holmgren, Anton Watson, Drew Timmy, the incredible performances that they had. want to talk more about the youth on this roster. Obviously, Chet is one of the youngest players on this roster, but he's not really a long-term piece. It is certainly, it is 100% certain that he is going to go to the NBA after this year. So I want to focus on guys who are going to be around next year because these games, in a lot of ways, that is a significant part of, of what they accomplish. Is they allow these younger guys to get more minutes, to maybe try some things they wouldn't try otherwise, to be a bit more aggressive in hunting their own shots, whereas in other games they may be more deferential in getting the ball to Drew and, and Nembhard and all of those guys. So it was nice to see them kind of stretch it out a little bit more. We saw some really great performances. We got to start off, of course, with freshman phenom Hunter Salas. Salas had an excellent game, perhaps his greatest game in a Gonzaga uniform as well. Uh, nine points, two boards, two assists, and one steal. For Salas, he was 3-for-4 from the field, 2-for-2 two two from the free throw line, and most importantly, 1-for-1 one one from downtown. He hit the first three-pointer of his collegiate career. That has been something he has struggled with up to this point in the year. We haven't seen an outside shot from him. It wasn't a huge part of who he was coming in. Obviously, five-star recruit, number six in the country, highest-rated recruit in the state of Nebraska. So he clearly had some a tremendous amount of talent before he ever showed up in a Gonzaga uniform, but most of the scouting report on his, the the you know the report on who he was and who he's going to be in a Gonzaga uniform was about his hyper athleticism, his length on defense, uh, his high basketball IQ, but his shooting wasn't a huge part of it. And part of that is because he just didn't need to be a great shooter in high school because his athleticism allowed him to do pretty much whatever he wanted when he got the basketball. So it's nice to see him start to do that. We know he's been working on it. I I believe he's capable of becoming a a good 
three-point shooter. I don't know that it'll happen this year. I don't know that he'll get enough opportunities to really develop in, in that way significantly. But behind the scenes, you can bet that he's working on it. He, if he has the intention of coming back, which I think is, is pretty likely considering the playing time situation right now, it doesn't really lend itself to him being a one-and-done type player. If he comes back, I have a feeling he's going to be a, a much improved as an outside shooter while still having that defensive intensity and length that makes him so so challenging for opposing offenses to deal with uh, that incredible high basketball IQ knowing when to drive when to shoot when to make the pass uh, and then just the raw athleticism I mean in this game he he caught a pass in the corner pump faked drove past the guy on the baseline and threw down a two-handed dunk just the kind of play that that 18 year old guys are not making all that often I mean he made it look so easy it almost it looked effortless it it was impressive don't get me wrong but it didn't look it didn't jump off the screen in some significant way because he made you know dribbling with his left hand down the baseline you know against a defensive player and dunking with two hands he made it look so easy because it's just not hard for him because of how athletic he is so it was fantastic to see him step out knock down an outside shot be more aggressive offensively. Again, he got those opportunities because he played more minutes because Gonzaga was up pretty big through the entire second half of this game, so he got opportunities to do that. He's still got some stuff he needs to work on. I think he's he's very aggressive defensively, which in a lot of ways is really good and important for this team. They need some like really aggressive perimeter defense, but he commits a lot of dumb fouls. He fouled a three-point shooter after the guy released the ball. The shot went in. It was a four-point play brought Northern Arizona within one point early in the game. That was a dumb foul. Just It just made a mistake. Just He didn't react quick enough off the screen. The guy caught the ball, stepped back. He jumped into him, committed a foul. Just... Just, you know, things that things that need to be tightened up. I'm sure Mark Few let him know about it after, uh, you know, the next timeout or whenever he had a chance to speak to him. And those are the kind of things that will get cleaned up. Like, I'm not, I don't think Hunter Salas is going to be committing dumb fouls even next year. I think he'll probably tighten that stuff up pretty significantly. Part of it is just adjusting to collegiate refs and the, you know, the rules that are different in college. And, and again, he hasn't played as many minutes as a Chet Holmgren or as, as a Jalen Suggs did at this time in his freshman year. So he's just still making those adjustments, learning from that stuff. So he's not perfect. You wouldn't expect the eighth guy off the bench to be perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I was encouraged by what we saw out of him today and think he's going to be a huge piece of this roster, not just next season, but down the stretch this year as well. And then, of course, Nolan Hickman. Nolan Hickman has gotten more attention on this podcast and just in general uh, this season. He's played more minutes than Hunter Salas. He's he's played a, a more significant role on the roster. He was a little quieter. In this game, four points, four rebounds, three assists. He did have a steal and a block. Two for five from the field, didn't knock down either of his three-point attempts, but still had another just solid game, just a nice performance from Nolan Hickman. He's a great passer. He's really smart with the basketball. I've talked about his poise and his just calming presence that he already has, even as a true freshman point guard, which is, I believe I mentioned it on the Mailbag Monday episode, the biggest surprise for me this season is just how poised and advanced and prepared he seems for this level. I think thinking about him being the team's starting point guard next year as a sophomore doesn't there's no concern at all. Gonzaga's obviously started true freshman point guards before. Jalen Suggs last year is a prominent example of that, but Kevin Pangos, Josh Perkins, like they've started young guys before. And so Hickman, he won't even be as young as those guys were, and he's going to be as good or better than them right away. He's just so poised and skilled and ready to play at this level. I think the outside shooting is going to show up. He's been a little streaky in that regard. That is something that we'd like to see him be a little bit more consistent 
from Beyond the Arc, but I do think that's going to show up. He's also a great transition scorer. This is something that hasn't been talked about as much with him. But he had a great finish with the left hand. He had another great uh, run out today. He's just been excellent at getting out in transition, scoring with ease around the rim. And it, those those are hard plays. We saw Andrew Nemhard get swatted pretty significantly today on a play that wasn't Nemhard's fault. The guy just made a really nice defensive play, came behind and pinned his shot against the backboard. But Hickman seems to finish those with extreme consistency. He's He either switched to his offhand or he goes under the basket. He's really good at finishing out in transition, a skill that is really significant, obviously, for guards, for you know, good defensive guards to be able to finish out in transition is obviously huge because getting a turnover and then not finishing on the other end kind of doesn't do you a whole lot of good. So nice to see Salas have a great game. Nice to see Hickman maybe not have his most eye-popping game statistically, but still you can just see when you watch him how consistent he's going to be. And I think he's going to be a really, really good player for this roster. He already is. But next year when he takes on a significant role, if Mark Few wants to rely on him for 30-plus minutes per night starting next season, I'm, that's not something that's going to be a concern for me at all. He's going to be really good. And then we got to see some of the young bigs as well, which was nice. Ben Gregg came in pretty early in this one. He had a really nice night. He knocked down a pair of threes, two for two from three. That's what he's, you know, that's what he's going to do. That's what he's best at is that he's a six foot ten guy or six nine or whatever who can shoot the shoot the ball from the outside. I've talked about him being the Killian Tilly type. Uh, he's not there yet, certainly. Uh, he, he he, I think will probably be comparable to him as a shooter. You know, forty ish percent, thirty eight, forty percent, something like that. He's still pretty significantly behind Killian Tilly as a defensive player. Tilly is very underrated for how good he was defensively. He wasn't a huge shot blocker, but he was an adequate rim protector and a good on ball defensive player. Greg looked better in this game than he did. His last opportunity to play was against Merrimack, and he gave up four points in about twenty five seconds and got pulled out of that game. So certainly he had nowhere to go but up defensively. He looked better here. He played good on ball defense. He got a steal. Still committed a pair of fouls in a short amount of time. He's still got to work on that. Young bigs always get called for a lot of fouls. It's so rare to have a young big avoid foul trouble, which is what part of one of the many things that makes Chet Holmgren so rare as a basketball player. But I thought I thought we got nice minutes from Ben Gregg today. He looked confident with his outside shot. He looked confident getting the ball in the post, even though he didn't score that way. Uh, he looked better defensively. And then we got to see Caden Perry. Honestly, I'm just happy we got to see Caden Perry. Obviously, Perry got hurt. He injured his back before the Tarleton State game and was not has not played since then. Not necessarily... It's not clear whether he would have played in either the Tarleton State game or the Texas Tech game just because Gonzaga kind of needed to run with their starters in those games pretty significantly. But Perry did get an opportunity to come into this game. He, for some reason, doesn't seem to know how to tie his shoes. He lost his shoes twice in this game. I think that's at least three times this season that he's lost his shoe and he hasn't played that many minutes. So somebody needs to work on that with Mr. Perry. But he part of it is just that he plays so hard. I mean, the dude's got a motor like turned way up past 11 like he is going 1000% every single time he's on the floor and it lends itself to him making mistakes he falls for pump fakes a lot he he you know he, he makes a lot of freshman mistakes still because he's a freshman and he's young and he's excited to be out on the court I think but he had three boards in this game he had a block he had a really nice take that didn't go in but it was a nice nice post move nice back to the basket move that he got so more than anything else I'm just happy he's healthy I know that he's going to be good. I know the Brandon Clark comparisons are out there, and I can understand why. I, I think that 
you know, he's he's still got some work to do. Obviously, he's got to hone in the 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 athleticism and the intensity that he has and kind of learn to work within, you know, kind of the parameters of what he's being asked to do. And that stuff will come. There's no reason to be, to be concerned about that at this point at all. Again, my biggest concern for Caden Perry was is this dude just is he going to be healthy? And it looks like he's healthy now. He sure didn't look like he was moving with any kind of issue in this game at all. So, I'm thrilled to see that. I'm excited to see more of Ben Gregg and Caden Perry as we get into conference play, start playing, you know, the Pepperdines and Pacifics of the world. You know, Gonzaga will run out some 30, 25, 30 point victories, and hopefully we'll get five to eight minutes of these guys in the, at the end of each of those contests. All right, third segment coming up. We're going to pivot away from talking about the Northern Arizona victory. We're going to talk about some really cool news that Mark Few is going to be an assistant coach with Team USA ahead of the 2024 Olympics in Paris, France. Before we get there, though, let's talk about today's sponsor, Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this app, and I know that you will too. Prize Picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world and offer all the star players from not only the Power 5 schools, but your favorite mid-major programs as well. New users that deposit and use the promo code LOCKEDON will receive a 100% instant deposit match of up to $100. Prize Picks allows mixed sport entries. So you can take the over on Chet Holmgren combined with the under on Patrick Mahomes in the same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com now and use promo code LOCKEDON or go to your App Store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. All right, segment three, still Andy Patton, still... Locked on Zags, still talking Gonzaga hoops, of course. The big news that came out of Gonzaga the last couple of days, for those of you who may not have seen this, Steve Kerr, who is taking over as the head coach of the Olympic men's basketball squad. He's taking over for Greg Popovich, who has decided to retire from that aspect of his coaching career. Kerr has announced his assistant coaches, and Mark Few, our Mark Few, the man who's won 84%, of his college basketball games since 1999, when he or sorry, since 2000, when he took over, he is going to be an assistant coach on this squad. He is coaching alongside Monty Williams and alongside Eric Spolstra, which means there's two WCC representatives as coaches for the men's basketball squad. As Eric Spolstra, for those who do not know, he is known primarily as the coach of the Miami Heat, but he also went to the University of Portland and played point guard for the Pilots. So really cool to have that. Steve Kerr also played for the Blazers, and so did Monty Williams. So there's a lot of Portland, Oregon connections. Mark Few, of course, is not from Portland, but he is from Cresswell, Oregon went to Linfield College. So a lot of Oregon connections coaching the Team USA team, which is just a fun connection for me as somebody who lives in the state of Oregon. But this is this is really cool news. Obviously, there's no there's no other way to look at this. You know, I, I know that Mark Few has been in the news lately for not the most positive reasons. Obviously, stemming from his incident on September 6th where he got arrested for DUI, We've put that past us. He served his time. There's some argument on whether his time was long enough, but that has been put past us. And, and frankly, it's nice to see Mark Few in the news for something other than that. It doesn't mean that we should forgive that necessarily, but it's, it's nice to be talking about him in some other capacity. And this is an incredible honor. I mean, a, a truly incredible honor to be named one of the few people on the planet deemed worthy to coach the best basketball players 
in the country. Now, <laughs> we'll see who ends up wanting to play for the Olympic team in 2024. Obviously, that has been a, a source of, of consternation for a lot of people as well that, you know, oftentimes the best players don't choose to play in the Olympics because the timing doesn't work out well. They're fatigued from their season. They're entering free agency and don't want to risk injury, whatever the reasoning may be. It's a far cry from 1992 when literally they picked the 12 best players on the planet and put them on the same roster for the dream team. Of course, the Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley, David Robinson, Clyde Drexler, Carl Malone, John Stockton roster in 1992. I, you know, we haven't seen that very often since then, so I'm not sure what this roster is going to look like, but I know that Mark Few is going to be a part of it. He absolutely is qualified, not just for his time at Gonzaga. He's worked with Team USA and with the Olympics and with FIBA before. Uh, he was with the USA Select team prior to both the 2020 Olympics and the 2019 FIBA tournament. Uh, that Select team was kind of a, a practice squad against the actual Olympic squad and also was just kind of a younger group of guys. Uh, that team was head coached by Eric Spolstra with few as an assistant, so those two guys are obviously familiar with their coaching styles already. Beyond that, Few was a assistant for Greg Popovich at the national team minicamp in 2018. He was the head coach for the U.S. at the 2015 Pan American Games, and he was an assistant under Billy Donovan. That's right, former Florida coach and Oklahoma City Thunder coach Billy Donovan in 2012 at the U18 FIBA tournament. So Mark Few has coached Olympic and FIBA teams for a long time. It is, is not coming out of the blue. He has a plenty of experience doing this, working with these teams, working within these organizations, and working in these kinds of... FIBA basketball is different. Olympic basketball is different. And this is honestly what co which Steve Kerr talked about. These quotes that I'm going to pull here come from an article written by Theo Lawson at the Spokesman Review. Uh, and coach Steve Kerr talked a lot about why he wanted a college coach specifically. I'm just going to read this quote directly from Kerr. He said, I think it's wonderful to have a college coach as part of the process because the college game is different, just like the FIBA game is different. Jay Wright was amazing. Both Jay and Mark really offered insight that maybe NBA coaches hadn't thought of because the games are so different. Yeah, I think this is a significant part of this process here. Steve Kerr has been involved in the NBA as a player and a coach for decades, decades. Spolstra and Monty Williams have been in the NBA for decades decades as well. Like they haven't been around the college game all that often. And FIBA is different. I don't know necessarily how much more similar it is to college than how it is to the NBA. I suspect FIBA and Olympic basketball is probably more like college than the NBA. Like that's just the impression that I get. European basketball certainly seems to align a little bit more so with the college game than, than the NBA game, which is a bit more isolation basketball, a little bit less passing, that kind of thing. So I think it's smart for Kerr to go out and get a college basketball coach. I think it's hard you're hard-pressed to find a better, more qualified college coach than Mark Few, especially when he already has experience working in the FIBA landscape, working in these kinds of things. There was also some mention of Mark Few's experience uh, recruiting internationally and, and bringing international players to Gonzaga and seeing them have success. Obviously, you know we know as Gonzaga fans that a lot of that recruiting, at least, was done by Tommy Lloyd, uh, the head coach at Arizona now, having an incredible first season as a basketball coach. But I, obviously, Few still helped integrate those players into the college, into their offense, into what they wanted to do. You know, it was not easy for DeMontis Sabonis to learn how to play, you know, this kind of Americanized version of basketball. Same with Bernie Turioff, same with Rui Hachimura, same with the list goes on and on and on and on. There have been so many great, talented European players 
uh, to come to the United States to come play for Gonzaga. And Mark Few has figured out a way to to utilize their skills and fit them into his system extraordinarily well. And now he gets an opportunity to do that with some of the best players on the planet and against some of the players that he helped recruit. There's a chance that they'll face DeMontis Sabonis, that they'll face Rui Hachimura uh, in these kinds of tournaments. So it can't hurt to have a guy on the sideline who helped, who has seen those players since they were in high school, who knows what, what kind of talent they have, who knows what kind of skill sets they possess. Uh, before, I want to leave you with this Mark Fuse quote about this, you know, because because this is such a cool opportunity, not just for for Gonzaga to be more on the map. You know, they're already well established as a basketball school, obviously, and Mark Few is, is very well known, but it does not hurt to be on an Olympic scale, certainly. Uh, and for Mark Few, he, he, he left us with a really nice quote, again, from Theo Lawson's article at the Spokesman Review. He says, it's something I've really, really enjoyed doing, and it's been a great professional development piece for me because you're around other great coaches. You get to spend a lot of time together, so you end up really expanding your boundaries and horizons in every aspect of coaching and administering a program and all of that. Then you get to know these guys on a personal basis, too, and how many great people there are in our profession. And that's kind of the last thing I want to leave you with, is this is not only an opportunity for Mark Few to showcase who he is as a coach, to get more exposure, to work with the best athletes, uh, the best American basketball players out there, but it's an opportunity for him to learn and grow. He's not done learning as a basketball coach. He's been doing it for a really long time. He does not look like he's slowing down anytime soon. He plans to continue to be the head coach of the Gonzaga Bulldogs for a long time and learning from coaches like Kerr and Spolstra and Monty Williams and learning from players like, you know, I don't want to name anybody in case they don't play for the Olympic team, but some of the players who are going to play on that team are really, really good. And learning from them and seeing the way that they operate and being able to bring that back to Gonzaga is nothing but a good thing. It is 100% a good, solid thing for this program, for this school, for this university, for the city of Spokane. And I'm so pumped that Mark Few gets this opportunity. All right, that is going to do it for today. we got WCC Wednesday, the final one before conference play. Of course, that's coming up on Wednesday. Thursday is going to be an off day. That is the holiday day that I am taking, but I'm bringing you a holiday helping of Andy Locks on Friday for the final show of the week before the holiday all right here, Locked On Zags, available wherever you get your podcasts, available on YouTube as well. Hit that subscribe button if you have not already. Finally, thank you again for making this show your first listen of the day. Now is a great time to make your second listen of the day, the Locked On Bets podcast. Locked On Bets is your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked On Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.